as a leader, establishing the vision and making sure that everybody understands how they tie into that vision. And that is what keeps a lot of people engaged, um, keeps them um, looking toward the next thing because they know they're making a difference in the end. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tunn. Before we dive into our episode today, I have a favor to ask of you. If you enjoy the Status Go podcast, whether you are a frequent listener or this is your first time joining us, tell a friend, send them a link or post on social media. Let others know about us. We appreciate it. When I ask CIOs and senior IT leaders across the country what issue is top of mind for them, undoubtedly I hear some variation of attracting and retaining talent. Is cybersecurity still a top priority? Of course. Do they spend time thinking about how best to introduce AI into their organizations? Certainly. But what do they worry most about? Filling the gaps in their team and creating an environment that keeps their team intact. When you dig beneath the surface, what they really want to do is build a dream team, despite the constraints their organization may place on them. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Alita Jeffers and Alina Walters to Status Go. Alita is the Senior Vice President of Consulting Services and Metro Lead for CGI, one of the largest IT and business consulting firms in the world. She's been a guest a couple of times here on Status Go, so her voice may sound familiar to you. Alina is the CIO for the city of Lakewood, Colorado, the fifth largest city in the state. She has worked in the government sector as a practitioner and as a consultant. This is her first appearance on Status Go, though many of you may have caught her and Alita on a recent digital dialogue on LinkedIn Live. Alita, Alina, welcome to Status Go. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thanks, Jeff. I'm so excited, Alita, to have you back. And Alina, I'm excited for your first time here, here on the show. I really enjoyed the digital dialogue that the two of you did uh, for uh, the Institute for Digital Transformation. It was a great conversation about digital transformation using a garden metaphor, which was, which was pretty cool. Uh, before we dive into this topic of building a dream team, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background little bit about your career journey. And, and Alina, I want to put you on the spot since you're a newbie to the Status Go podcast uh, and have you go first. Sure. Thank you so much. Again, thank you. It's so good to be here with you, Alita and Jeff. I'm excited to talk about really uh, such an important topic, right? And that is how do you how do you create an environment where you um, attract and retain the best of the best? Um, it's something that I think influenced my career from the beginning. That is, where where did I want to be? Where did I want to work and, and why? And for me, what was most important from the beginning, which was working for an insurance company. So I worked for an insurance company. I was out there 
working with salespeople and um, just kind of boots on the ground, really learning the basics of customer service and customer interactions. And what I loved about that job was the culture and the people. And from there, I was continually drawn to those types of environments where I felt that my talents were appreciated and leveraged and that I was allowed to grow in the direction that I wanted to grow and uh, something that I try to have in um, in our culture at the city of Lakewood as well. So, so from insurance, I went to a company called Micromedics, where I started getting into product management and marketing. And from there, my career grew into uh, more of the technology field. So I worked uh, in, I worked in uh, federal government as a consultant. I worked uh, for uh, now city government. I worked in the private sector, and uh, all along the way, the uh, current undercurrent was technology. And what is it that you can do with technology? So I've seen technology, I suppose, uh, being used in a variety of ways, and I uh, uh, and I love it. So that's what brought me to where I am today. That, that's excellent. That's a that's a nice career journey. It gives you perspectives from a lot of different industries uh, uh, and experiences to bring to bear on uh, the challenges of being CIO there at Lakewood. Mm-hmm. Alita, how about you? What's what's your journey been like? Well, it's been very um, broad. You know, there's a lot that I've been fortunate to be able to do, and and I started my career actually in software companies. And so started in a call center, and I firmly believe everyone should have a customer service job or a call center job when they begin when they begin their career, because it really provides a basis, I think, that everything else can build on. And I was fortunate because even in in my first job, it was it was such a great culture and a culture of learning. So I had a lot of opportunity. I was able to learn not only support aspects, but again, like Alina kind of moved into product and quality and training and consulting, and that really laid the groundwork. So as I moved on to additional software companies in a number of verticals, you know, I had the opportunity to learn about a lot of different things. So banking or automotive or ISO 9000, when that was all the rage, right? I mean, lots of different experiences around that. So that ultimately also led me to public sector. So I went from working in software companies and startups to being a contractor for the federal government and working for DOD, uh, which again, a whole different fascinating process and, and fascinating place to be. But that led to state government, um, Department of Revenue, and then local government, where I was the CIO for the city of Aurora which then led me to my current role, which supports government. That's a large part of my portfolio that I manage. So I really feel like along the way, um, being able to put together teams to achieve objectives is something that's just, you know, it it is so much based in the culture of the organization and the ability to impact that culture and impact that organization and, and bring in people that you know have the potential and have the ability to really not only move your company forward, but, you know, you have the ability to impact them in just such, such a key way for the rest of their career, hopefully. So, you know, that's, that's really important. That's one of the many facets that I really enjoy. So look forward to talking more about it. 
Absolutely. And that's a that's a great segue to this concept of of attracting and retaining talent, yes, but really building that dream team, that high performing team that that gets along well, uh, accomplishes their goals and has has fun doing it, right? To me, that's the definition of a dream team. Uh, what else would you add to that definition of dream team? Uh, Alita or Alina, either one. I think a desire to grow, uh, a curiosity. Oh. I'm interested in working <clears throat> with people who continuously want to explore what's possible and who are continuously challenging the status quo I love accomplishing a goal and then building off of that goal. To me, there's never an end. It's a journey. And um, a dream team, I believe, is made up of people who are constantly moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's very true. I would add to that that when I look for people or when I consider people who would be part of my dream team. And of course, Alina is one of those people, but um, <laughs> no, that, uh, that team would consist of people who really have a really great sense of judgment, you know, because I really feel like that's something that sometimes is very hard to teach. But if you, mm-hmm. if you have someone who's experienced and they're able to make their way through a situation, maybe they don't know the answer, but they can certainly find out, right. But they can, they can maneuver through that, then you can teach them the skill set or the industry or, or whatever. I also think that having people who are okay with conflict, mm-hmm. that that also drives a really good team and a really good team dynamic. I know I had teams when I worked for the federal government that, um, you know, I would put them in a room and I'm like, okay, you guys can fight all you want in the room. You need to come out <laughs> with the United Front. But but that was great because they really brought a lot of different things to the table and it was a lot of very, um, very intense, but very productive conversation. And I think sometimes if people shy too much away from that, then you might not get it. You might not be getting the whole benefit of the team and, and yeah. what's the outside the box idea that someone can come up with to meet the goal. I love that, that the healthy discourse, um, mm-hmm. it's so important and it's based on trust and so I guess another aspect of a dream team is one where everybody trusts one another and feels valued and therefore their contribution isn't argumentative. It's a healthy discourse, yeah, again, to move yeah. forward. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not all kumbaya, right? There's going to no. be times when there is that healthy conflict, that healthy tension, uh, and having a team that that is okay with that and able to move past some of that conflict and some of that tension uh, is, is vital uh, for the, for the growth of your team. When, when you think about building this tr- dream team, where do you start? How do you do this? How do you map out what you want, what you need, and how do you get the people? You know, when I, when I think about maybe, cause Seldom do you get to create a team from scratch, right? Normally, by the time you're, you're managing people, right, you're walking into a situation where there's a team already there, usually. And so when you, for me, I like to walk into that and determine, like, where really are the, where is everybody's strengths and weaknesses? And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but you do have to evaluate 
you know, what's the team trying to achieve to Alina's point? And then who do I have on my team? It's just, it's like a sports analogy, right? If you're going to have a baseball team, you need to make sure you have somebody who can play all the positions. You need to make sure that you have a solid pitcher or you have a solid catcher, right? So making sure that you have those people in place and that they can produce for you or that Mm -hmm. they're in the culture that will allow them um, to excel. I think that's one of the first things. And then over time, you can kind of up the ante, right, for the expectations of that team. And so if you do that, I have found that normally every 12 to 18 months, you can you can do that, right? You can kind of upskill or upscale your your team because that naturally then the people who aren't willing to do that or aren't capable of doing that will kind of naturally fall out. They'll either look for a different role or look for a different opportunity. And then you can continue to make sure that your team becomes higher and higher performing. But mm-hmm. with each one of those leveling up, so to speak, you know, each one of those 12 to 18 month increments, that's where you're going to have some of that discourse, right? And maybe some of that conflict, because that's what you have to go through to really achieve change. So, yeah. you know, really evaluating the people, ensuring that they are um, empowered um, and enabled to do what they need to be able to do. And then as you continue to just kind of raise the bar, you'll be swapping people in and out in order to be able to really meet those objectives. Yeah, absolutely. So my son got my husband and me hooked on a show called SWAT. It's a remake of an older, you know, show. It's, it's, awesome. It's so much fun to watch together. But they have this fun saying that we we always laugh about, stay liquid, fill the gaps. And I think that's exactly what Alita is talking about, right? And what you started with in the beginning, Jeff, how do you fill the gaps? So, uh, you know, when I took over as CIO a couple years ago for the city, that's what I was looking at. Are we liquid? Can we fill in the gaps? And what will it take for us to be able to just adapt enough, right, to where everyone's growing, but we're adapting adapting to the constant demands that are coming our way from um, all of the different su- departments that we support. So um, I think that's that's something that I always think about when I'm building, rebuilding, adjusting, growing, developing the team. Are we liquid? Because if you're, if you're not, then you're limiting yourself and, and everyone's abilities are siloed and restricted and you're not benefiting. You're not thinking out of the box and growing. So, um, so that, that, that's a different perspective, I suppose, but that's how I come at it. I, I love always always going to uh, pop culture television shows for, for, for wisdom because there's Absolutely. there are some of those sayings that really just ring true, right? Uh, and I love that visual of uh, filling in the gaps, being liquid and filling in the gaps. One of the challenges that I know the three of us have talked about um, on our conversations, uh, especially in the public sector, uh, but I think other organizations may be feeling this as well, and that's salary pressures. How do you deal with uh, when you're in, maybe you're not paying the top dollar in the market. Maybe you're not able to compete with with West Coast and East Coast uh, hiring. How, How are you able to attract the people to your organization and then keep them there 
when salary may not be the top item that you can give? I, I love this question. And I know, you know, Alita, having been right, let's say City of Aurora and now CGI, very different perspectives. And I'm um, in, in a city now, right? So very, um, very limited in many ways, but I don't see it as being limiting. So, so I love this question because when you, I, I believe, again, going back to the building a dream team, you're building a dream team with those people who want to be there for the right reasons. So, of course, salary is going to be one of them always and benefits and it's a whole package, but it can't be the sole ingredient. So I'm looking for those people who want to make the city a better place, who, who want to have a direct effect on how we're moving forward, who's, who want to leave a legacy and be boots on the ground. And, um, and oh, by the way, there's also a great package of benefits and salary. There will always be someone who can pay more. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Is that extra five, 10, 20, 50,000 worth it? That's always my question. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. It, it has to be uh, for the right reasons. I'm looking for the right person. And of course, I want them to have the best package possible, just like I want to be, uh, have, a, have a good salary, have good benefits, all that stuff. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm not here for that reason. Right. And, and, you know, and I would, I would agree, especially in public sector, but even in private sector, you know, it's a great point. Always somebody is willing to pay more or buy you that car or that house, right? During COVID, there were some crazy incentives, right? That happened to, <laughs> uh -huh. to kind of pull people into different jobs. But I think establishing as a leader, establishing the vision and making sure that everybody understands how they tie into that vision. So that is what, um, that could be what draws people in. It could be some cool project or some new technology, right? That they really want to have the experience with, but long-term making sure that you are as a leader continuing to share, here's the vision, here's where we're trying to go. And here is how you as an employee can impact that. And that is what keeps a lot of people engaged, um, keeps them um, looking toward the next thing because they know they're making a difference in the end. And, and by and large, I think that's what most people really want to make sure that they can do whatever sliver of work that that means for them. It's still, this is how they're really tying into the ultimate result. So just, and you have to repeat vision, right? Yeah. Every, every single week, every single month, whatever it is, right? It's just yeah. constant, but people have to know where they fit and how they're going to impact. So I think that's really one of the keys to keeping people on your team. I 100% agree with Alita. And, you know, when we interview new candidates and what we talk about even in our, in our meetings is, is just that, what is it that we're working for? And I have three principles that I always talk about. Would you like to be part of a team, right? That is community and employee centric, that's focused on building a future ready Lakewood, and that wants to build on us being a utility provider and an excellent center of utility provider um, services and being a business value provider. And, and that's exciting, right? Because it speaks to always moving forward to be 
great at these principles and we tie all of our goals and everything uh, to these principles and having that unity is what starts to then create the culture. Everybody knows and understands, Hey, this is how I fit in. And this is what we're working towards. So you don't have to talk about a project. You don't have to talk about a task. You're talking about something bigger and greater. And that's your contribution. You're contributing by being on our team. You're contributing to building a future ready Lakewood. Yeah. And that's what I think is exciting and, and important. I, I love that. You know, if I, if I could add one more thing to that, Jeff, I know you're yeah. trying to ask the next question. No, 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 no. You <laughs> go ahead. I, this is a great the conversation. Us, do this for quite a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, one thing that I really started, and I don't know that I was intentional about it at first, but over the course of my career, I've managed a lot of people. And, um, you know, when you, you go to like holiday parties and things like that, right. And you get to meet everybody's significant other. And what I've really found is when those significant others come up to me and say, I'm so glad to meet you because, you know, my husband or my wife just has such great things to say about you. And so, which is just wonderful, right. That's one of the best things ever. But when I really kind of thought about that to the next level, if I, I look at it like, well, what if my team's significant others were doing my review? Mm-hmm. Ah, what would that. that look like? Right. That gives you a whole different perspective and not that you're trying to manage to somebody's spouse. Right. right. But right. you know, you know that what happened, what that person says when they go home, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the feedback that's, real, <laughs> yeah. really good, really bad. <laughs> that's the feedback that's real. So to me, if I'm getting that kind of feedback from my employees, significant others, that means that I've done my job. Yeah. I love that. That's such an excellent perspective. And I love the idea of the multifaceted uh, look at what makes a, a place of employment great. Um to kind of add on to that, I, I I have this note on my desk that says, be the destination that your employees want to come to in the morning, right? And that I think is related to when they go home, they're excited about the day that they had. It might've been hard, but yeah. they know they contributed to something great and they want to come back in the morning and get out of the car and come back in. Yeah. I, I love that. I love all the all of what you both are saying about this from from communicating the vision repeatedly, always engaging with the with the with the vision, talking about something larger than yourself when you're building, uh, helping build the community of Lakewood. Um, and I, I I love Alita your your comment about what was the, what would the spouse say, uh, on a review? Uh, I might be scared of some of those. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, when, when you're thinking about, uh, the hiring process and especially in the, the time that we're, we're just kind of probably coming out a little bit of when it was so uber competitive to get resources. Um, and if you didn't make an offer, uh, today, the resource was gone tomorrow. Um, how do you balance this concept of trying to make sure that the values fit, that it's cultural fit or cultural add to your to your team uh, and taking that time to be uh, careful about the hiring with the fact that 
hey, if you don't make the offer, they may be gone. How do how do you balance that? You know, I'll I'll speak to that. It's so I consider, and Alina knows this, but I consider one of my superpowers that of discernment. And I think Jeff, maybe we've even talked a little bit about this. So to me, it's really important that when you interview that person, that you're asking the type of questions that that fulfill that. Um, for me, it's like I need to ask the type of questions that I know I'm going to get their thought process, or how do they how do they go from point A to point B? Right? Not where do you want to be in five years? You know, on all those kinds of questions, but more conversational. Like, so I'm trying to peel back at least maybe one layer, you know, in the, in that interview time, you don't typically have a lot of time to figure that out, but, um, but really honing in on what do I really want to know? What really fits into my culture and what really fits into my organization and really ask questions that are based um, around that so that you can get that type of feedback, regardless of the role, regardless of how long they've done business analysis or whatever it is. To me, it's more about finding out that per- uh, more about that person. And of course, now there's more HR rules around that than there used to be. But mm-hmm. I still think you can you can be, be pretty conversational and figure that out because I've had interviews where I know that I've interviewed somebody and the more I've talked with them and the more I've listened to them, I'm thinking, well, you're not really a great fit for the role that that I posted, like the role that you're interviewing for. But I have this role over here where I think you would be fabulous. And yeah. so then, you know, kind of redirecting the conversation to see if somebody was, is interested in maybe not what they applied for, but something else. So to me, that's that. And you have to work on that. Right. Not everybody yeah. has that, but you can certainly learn that. And I think that that's something that's really important. I agree. And um, I do some of the same, right? I ask the how, how did you and why to mm-hmm. to really gain an under, understanding, as Alita said, of the, of the thought behind um, behind dis- the decision making or um, what drives somebody. And it has to be a win-win. So in, in our um, in interviews where, where that that I attend, it's really two part, uh, and they're usually mixed together. It's okay. What are your skills? How do they apply? What's your experience? But really, the bigger part is the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't have specific questions for that. I just enter into a conversation and see where it goes, and that I think leaves both the candidate and our team feeling more uh, comfortable with whatever those next steps are. Yeah. Yeah. Because once they're hired, that's what you do. You have conversations. Mm -hmm. You're not going back to where did you work? You know, how many uh, years of Excel do you have or any of that stuff? All that can be learned or, you know, forgotten. It's how you have a conversation. Can they come to the table and have mm-hmm. the, that healthy discourse? Can they contribute to a team of one voice and move the department forward while also growing? What's the win-win? Yeah. Communication and collaboration, right? It's, yeah. it's, you've got to be able to work on this team. One of the, one of the challenges that we sometimes face, especially in, uh, in IT, in technology departments, is um, 
sometimes the perceived uh, inequity between roles. And what I mean by that is um, we, we were talking earlier about salaries. Sometimes IT professionals get paid a little higher than those not in IT. Um, but also in some of the freedoms and responsibilities that come with, with the roles, there's, there's many IT roles that can work from home. Uh, there are other IT roles that have to be in the office. And when you take it a broader step and you look outside the department, there's a lot of roles that also would have to be in the office and maybe IT is working from home. How do you coach and counsel your team to handle those kinds of inequities between each other and outside the team? That's a great question. And COVID certainly introduced a lot of um, challenges with that, as well as opportunities. For me, I look at our organization as a whole. So our city organization has a culture and we need to be a part of that culture. So first and foremost, we have to contribute to that city culture in a way that is respectful of all of the other people that we work with and for the constituents that we support and how we then, so so coming into the city, you have to know and understand that. And I'm thrilled that we have a hybrid work environment where there is flexibility to find balance. And I do think it will vary from potentially person to person, um, from a performance perspective, from a role perspective, from a variety of perspectives. So I always talk to the person about their situation and it's never a comparison. It's really a, a question of, is this working again for us as the city, as a department, and for you as the individual? Where's the win-win and how can we make that work? Uh, Alita, anything that you want to add to that from what Alina was saying uh, about these uh, perceived inequities, uh, interdepartment and intradepartment? You know, I think that it all, to kind of her point, a lot of it depends on the person, you know, and if you think generation, well, that's not a right word. <laughs> the generations treat that differently, right? Yes, so, yes. Um, you know, one of the TikToks that my daughter sent me was, was all about people getting the email that, oh no, now they have to come back into the office, right? And, mm -hmm. and the boomer is all excited because he gets to use a printer and, you know, he's all suited <laughs> up and he's just so excited, right? And then the Gen X person is kind of like, oh, geez, if I have to come in, I'll follow the policy and I'll do it, you know, twice a week. And and the millennials are like, what? Can't we do this like all from home? Like what in the world are we doing? And even the yeah. Gen and the Gen Z people just don't even respond. They just don't yeah, get a new yeah. job. I mean, yeah, they're just yeah, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, not only do I think that people people are motivated differently. So maybe somebody doesn't mind coming into the office because there is value in the water cooler conversation or, you know, there's value in talking to your friends. So if you've worked for a long time, right, you have those relationships. But um, but yet some people are like, you know, if I'm an hour away or 90 minutes away or I've moved during COVID and so now my, my situation is completely different, Right. Well, maybe that's more important to them. And, and so figuring yeah. out where do they belong in the team and and how can you really make sure that maybe that's a big reward for them? So 
tying into their whole experience at your company, that's just another factor, right? As far as how they're going to provide value. I actually had a conversation last night with somebody who said uh, they got a request from someone who wanted to take a year long cruise and wanted to know if it would be okay if they worked from the boat for a year. (laughs) So that might be a whole other conversation, but um, you know, it's, it's, it is hard, but I think, every job is different. And so every response to that job has to be different. So it's, it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes people can come in and get that work done and sometimes they can't. And for me, for my team, it really depends on the project. Some of my customers, they're back in the office two to three days a week. Some of my customers have said, we're never going back into the office. So therefore everybody's remote as long as we do business with them. So it just, it's like anything else, really. You just have to adapt to how you're going to deliver and how you're going to be successful with both your clients and your people. Yeah, the the generations in the workplace uh, and this whole concept of return to office and the impact that that has on our, on our teams and on people that might have moved or uh, that we hired to begin with that didn't even live in the area. Uh, is another challenge to to building this dream team. And as usual, our time just flew by and we are we are running up on time. So I do want to, first of all, say, I want to have you two back and we continue this conversation because I think we've only just begun to scratch the surface. But before we go, I have a question that I like to ask all of our guests. And Alita, you're you're familiar with this question being a guest several times on the show already. We're all about action, and we want to leave our listeners with some specific calls to action. So, Alina, I'll pick on you first. What are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Well, I'm going to steal one of Alita's suggestions that I incorporated um, uh, in my my, work. Uh, work and leadership. And that is to meet with each of your staff on their work anniversary and just have a conversation with them. They'll know it's coming up. It's an opportunity for them to see you in under, um, in different circumstances, right? You're not meeting to speak about a subject or a, a project or anything. So schedule those meetings. They're great. I love them. Sometimes I go for a walk. Sometimes we sit in my office. Sometimes we're, we meet on teams. It doesn't matter. It's a celebration, number one, of their year of service. It's an opportunity for them to talk about their goals and an opportunity for you to ask them, what more can you do to help them be successful and therefore help your team be successful? Um, so that's, uh, that is my one, one big, uh, recommendation. And thank you, Alita, for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Alita, the pressure's on. You got to come up with a different one. <laughs> well, so one, one of the other questions that I have asked, um, my team members in the past is if I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars or $250,000 or whatever amount is appropriate for your organization, if I were to give you X amount of money toward the work, toward the work, the work culture, the, the work you're doing, whatever, whatever, what would you do with that money? And when you ask that question, 
what you're getting is that person innately, like most of us would do, would be, man, if I had $250,000, I would focus on recruiting. I would focus on governance. I would focus on new hardware, whatever it is, because that's a pain point for them. But they might not come out and tell you it's a pain point. But if you give them the opportunity to kind of vaguely fix it, you'll find out where the pain points are in your team. And so that's something that I think is really, it's easy. It's easy to ask. And if you don't let people know it's coming, they're going to give you their first response, right? Off the top of their head, here's what I'm going to do. So I think that can be really valuable um, if you're looking for pain points in your team or your organization. I I love that both of your action recommendations uh, really boil down to talk to your team. Talk to the people as people. Uh, and, and I love the, the idea of talking to them on an annual basis, uh, uh, on their anniversary, because it's kind of a celebration uh, milestone. Uh, and I love the question of, hey, if, if you had $100,000 to spend, what would you spend it on work-related? Um, and, and it can't be a, a, a tricked-out uh, foosball table. It's got to be something... <laughs> Uh, it's got to be something a little more tangible than that. Well, uh, Alina, Alita, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us today. I know you both are incredibly busy and it means a lot to me that you're able to sit down with us and talk to our listeners. And I know it means a lot to them as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Alita. I look forward to next time. Yep. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Alina. Happy to be here. Thank you. We would love your feedback on this uh, on this conversation. Uh, as I mentioned, I would love to have Alita and Alina come back and talk further about this. So if you have feedback, if you have questions that you would like uh, us to address the next time, please send them to us here at Status Go. We would love to hear from you. Uh, send your thoughts via LinkedIn, either comments or messages. If you do want to learn more, visit intervision.com and we'll be sure that the show notes will provide links and contact information for both Alita and Alina. And if you're interested in continuing the discussion, look for the Status Go podcast group on LinkedIn. This is Jeff Tun for Alita Jeffress and Alina Walters. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.